0: Gentlemen, the Brit pack is back. We are here at the Grosvenor Casino in Russell Square, London. Myself and Shamat Karsandu bringing you something a little bit different for episode number 20 of the show. We are in, in situ waiting for the televised portion of UFC 206 to get underway. Uh, and we've been royally looked after Sandra. I can't, I can't speak hardly enough about where we are right now.
1: Uh, it's literally been Christmas come early as, uh, like you said, we've been taken care of. Uh, the casino kindly allowed us and provided us with a, a nice festive three-course meal uh, which we politely accepted and um, we're, 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 we're royally stuffed at the moment. Um, we've got some Red Bull um, on the go as we speak um, because it's approaching 1am and we have a long night of fights ahead of us. And it's actually pretty awesome and pretty cool to be recording an episode of the show watching a UFC event together here in London, of all places, where typically we're always on the road um, when we're recording these types of shows. But this is something new, um, where the grows of a Casino in Russell Square is now starting to host these UFC viewing parties, and it's actually worked out quite well tonight because it's been a big night of combat sports action anyway. With uh, with Glory, um, they've got a they had a massive um, heavyweight showdown in Germany. Um, obviously, here you know with the British contingent, um, we had a, a massive boxing heavyweight fight with Anthony Joshua uh, versus Molina, which literally just wrapped up about 10-15 minutes ago, and uh, and of course we've got the big UFC
0: 206 pay-per-view um, in a matter of hours from now. It's not a bad way to uh, spend a Saturday night, I've got to be honest with you. Normally, uh, for those overseas listeners, uh, particularly those on the other side of the pond, you guys don't know how lucky you are. It's it's, it's very it's hard work being an MMA fan on this side of the pond because invariably the fights are on at silly o'clock in the morning and uh, tonight's fight card is no exception This is your normal start time for uh, a UFC pay-per-view. So we have the the televised prelims kick off at 1am UK time. We're about eight minutes away from that here as as, as we're recording this. The main card kicks off 3am and we're typically done. By about six, six thirty. Once you factor in the press conference and the fact we have to write up all the bits and pieces afterwards, it's normally seven, seven thirty in the morning. The sun's up by the time we're finished. Um, so being able to get out and about and do this, not in front of the sofa, raiding the fridge every ten minutes. This is this is this is a much more civilized way of going about it, and I'm. I'm as I say, very grateful to the people here at uh, the Grove Casino at Russell Square. They're uh, they treating us royally, and we're very appreciative of that. Um, and the reason we're here isn't just for some, some free grub and a TV screen. Um, it's because this is this is the sort of thing that I think we want to be encouraging. You know, getting people together and watching fights together. Watching it on the TV at home is great. Being in the arena is the best thing. So, what's the next best thing? Getting a few people together, getting around a few tables, getting the beers in, or soft drinks if you're of the T-Total persuasion, and just having a few people around and watching the fights. It makes things a lot more fun, a lot better. Even Dana White said, um, I think when he was in New York, he did an interview, and uh, the buzz uh, you know, for the fights in New York was so great that he almost wished that he could watch the fights in a bar he has the best seat in the house every single time but he, he almost yearns for the, the day that he can go and watch the fights in a bar so um, this is this is kind of like the middle ground it's not a, where, there, where there is a bar it's about 8 feet from where I'm sat <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's you know surrounds are very nice you can buy a ticket to these events I believe they're looking to roll these out more regularly Yeah. Um, they did a very successful one for UFC 205 I believe they've done one or two before them We've got one tonight. I'm sure the one for UFC 27 will be uh, very, very popular. And uh, they do they, they, they do a really good deal, Sandy. Yeah,
1: it's 8.95. 95 It's called A Beer, A Burger, and A Bet. It, it, it's like Ron Seal. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, for $8.95, you get a beer, you get a burger, and you get a bet in the casino, um, which is a pretty good deal. And you get access to the casino um, in the private um, viewing party room. Uh, There's a a massive drop-down screen um, that's in front of us um, just to kind of set the stage. Um, Loads of tables, loads of chairs, um, great staff. The the staff here have been just absolutely fantastic. Uh, We even had um, one of the managers just uh, come by and sit down with us. Talk
0: fights for 10 minutes. Talk
1: fights for 10 minutes, you know, just, and she was a massive Conor McGregor fan. uh, Wanted to pick our brains a little bit about the sport, which is just great. Great uh, that you know people um, that are essentially casual fans of MMA or perhaps the UFC specifically, um, but are interested in learning more and finding out more. And it's just great to see the kind of
0: sport grow like that. It's a difficult sport to uh, to get people together for because of the time of day and getting late licenses is always always tricky. So when there's an opportunity like this, it's always it's always really good. So um, if you are in the London area and you you want to give it give it a go. Then uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. We can pass on any information um, that, that that you need for the future events. And uh, you know, maybe maybe this might become a regular thing, and we can start to do uh, start to do a few meetups and get a few of you guys on the show. That would be a fantastic thing. Now, the reason we're here, Sander, is UFC 206. Absolutely. Uh, we just watched Anthony Joshua very quickly um, knock out Molina to retain his title, and the big story from that. Before we move into the USC thing. He's going to fight uh, Vladimir Klitschko, yeah. April 29 at Wembley Stadium. Um, I've never covered a boxing event in person live before. If I was going to break my duck, that would be the one to do it for. That would be something pretty special. But uh, so we've we've had a bit of a, a bit of a free show We have also had the USC Fight Pass prelims from Canada. So we've kind of been dual screening. Sandu's had uh, had Fight Pass running uh, on his on his laptop while we've had the boxing on the big screen. Uh, and uh, we've seen we've seen three fights so far Dustin Ortiz beating Zach Mikulski by split decision I thought Ortiz did a better job than that I thought he won the fight relatively convincingly but the judges were split Rustam Havelov took on Jason Sagar and took a unanimous decision which is what he does he grinds people out and wins wins by decision and uh, called out Kevin Lee he was immediately responded. that's the fight that needs to be made in 2017 and uh, Lando Venata took on John Mcdessey. Mcdessey's known for having a good chin for being a solid striker And being a real tough Tough campaigner, Sandu Venata pulled out a, a trick From uh, Edson Barbosa's but It wasn't quite the, uh, the, uh, the visual Wow moment that we saw When he knocked out Terrietti. But it went far short Spinning, spinning heel kick to the chin And that was it, all done
2: yeah,
1: it was pretty spectacular, and it's a great comeback uh, for Lando Venata. He obviously you know, lost against Tony Ferguson um, earlier in the year, which was another cracking fight in itself. Um, but he's a fighter that's got a, a crap load of potential, and I think he's just shown a glimpse of that uh, tonight. Uh, like you said, fantastic spinning heel kick, uh, completely silenced uh, the Canadian uh, crowd there in Toronto, And, um, you know, I think Lando Venate is going to be one of these fighters everyone should be keeping a close eye on as we head into 2017.
0: He's only 24 years of age, he's had 10 fights, and the only loss on that record was that dash choke submission... To Tony Ferguson in a fight that he was looking very good in early on, as you say. Uh, but the main thing, 24 years of age, he's got a, he's got a lot of time left yep. to build things up in his mixed martial arts career. He's got a lot of upside, and he's got one of the best nicknames in uh, in, in MMA, Groovy Lando Landovanata. So uh, I'm a big fan of that. So uh, there we go. He he's in he's in uh, a good spot to really kick kick on. In 2017 Speaking of nicknames Let's very quickly throw back to last night Yes uh, The Albany fight night UFC fight night in Albany, New York I stayed up for it I'll tell you later whether that was a good move or not From a, <laughs> from a, from a body clock point of view um, Let's kick things off As we're talking about nicknames yep. Corey Anderson Formerly known as Corey Beast in 258 Anderson He's now Corey Overtime Anderson uh, A nickname that was unveiled During the intros before his fight Um, And he also unveiled a a new Very, very mean approach To uh, to his fights He's been There's one accusation That you could have leveled against him in, In previous fights Is that he kind of did what he needed to do to win, but didn't really do much more on top of that. He put a beating on Sean O'Connell and uh, finished him very impressively. And that's the guy, you know, the light heavyweight division needs contenders. They need new, new blood and he, he looked he looked really good, Oh well, well,
1: like I said, you stayed up for the fights last night. I actually did not. Um, I, uh, I had plans and it was a Friday night. And uh, I think my wife would have killed me if I spent two nights in a row staying up until five, six in the morning. So I actually you know, had a scan through the results um, first thing this morning. Um, I saw a few GIFs and videos um, online with, uh, with some of the key finishes of the night. Um, but referring back to that particular fight, what Corey Anderson has done now is he's really asserted himself in that light heavyweight division. I'm not sure about the change in nickname, to be honest with you. I think 20, Beast in 25.8 was a, a massive fan-favorite nickname in, in, in our little MMA bubble. Uh, but let's see, uh, you know, maybe overtime will stick in time, but I think everyone will, will st- keep referring him to Beast in 25-8 for the, for the time being. Um, but it was a good victory um, on, a, on a card that perhaps didn't have too much of a spotlight on, uh, but it keeps him ticking on, keeps him in that win column, keeps that momentum building. Uh, and again, he's someone that everyone should keep a, a close eye on um, as he continues to improve his career heading into
0: 2017. Yeah, 27 years of age, he's 9-2. and two. Uh, His only losses were to John Valente... Um, early in his UFC career I think it was his third fight in his UFC career and uh, a, a very controversial split decision lost to Mauricio Shogun-Hua, a fighter I thought he won down in Curitiba Brazil um, that was his most recent fight before last night and uh, he looked to have turned the corner last night he looked very impressive against Sean O'Connell obviously Sean O'Connell not ranked and uh, Anderson was someone who was already ranked think he was ranked number nine in the world he needed to put on a decisive performance he did that he got the win John Volante who was also on the main card last night in one of the wildest fights I know you said you, you haven't had a chance to go back and watch that card yeah. if you have a UFC fight pass subscription I strongly advise you if you did not see last night's fight card get online uh, when you get a chance and watch John Volante's light heavyweight scrap with Saparbek Safarov um, it was it was an absolute barn burner of a fight at 205, um, and uh, it was it was one of those where you just end up you end up looking basically completely knackered yourself after watching it. It was one of those. It was you, you really could feel those shots land all the way all the way through the TV set. So that was a good performance from John Valente getting a second round TKO finish uh, over Saffron. He was making his debut on very short notice. He come out of it with a lot of a lot of credit. The co-main event Sandu, yes. Uh, Francis Ngannou we've seen him in close proximity he's a big big scary heavyweight and uh, he just his reputation just continues to rise and that performance against Anthony Hamilton first round Kimura if you had money on that congratulations you'd have got some good odds on that Um, but uh, yeah won the fight in less than two minutes Anthony Hamilton had absolutely nothing for him pushed him against the fence Kimura finished bang no one saw that coming from Francis Ngannou where, where's, the, you know, where's the ceiling for this guy?
1: It's funny you mention that, because I wrote a piece for fighters only uh, on Friday. It was one of my sign-off pieces for the week, and it was a, it was a preview uh, of, the, the, of the main and co-main event of the Albany card. And The whole piece was uh, surrounding Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou being these big power-puncher heavyweights who have a, a crap load of knockout and TKO victories on their record. And If someone had told me Francis Ngannou would be winning by Kimura submission, I wouldn't have believed you. And the fact that he got that done, the, 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 the immense power of the man to get into that Kimura position from, from a standing position and then take Hamilton to the ground like that to finish him off is just in, in, insane. Uh, and he, He's a mountain muscle of a man. And we were actually talking about how big Anthony Joshua is standing opposite Vladimir Klitschko Well, Francis Ngannou is a behemoth of a heavyweight Uh, and again you know i keep saying it but i think the albany card started to showcase um, some fighters that people should be keeping a really close eye on Uh, and especially in the heavyweight division all it takes is maybe three or four big wins and you can really assert yourself into that top 10 picture
0: yeah he's six foot four he's 30 years of age he's not a youngster but he's he's new to the sport six foot four 257 pounds, give or take a few pounds, depending on how he's feeling fight week. That's a that's a touch over 18 stone in uh, in English money. And uh, other than his second his second pro fight, which he lost by decision, it's been it's been wins all the way, and uh, they've all been stoppages, all been stoppages. He was riding a four fight knockout streak going into t- into Friday night that one was a, a submission finish his first submission finish in the UFC he looked dangerous and he also picked up 50 grand as a performance of the night bonus nice. and deservedly so he's definitely one to watch you mentioned there we're talking about Derek Lewis Francis and Ngannou where Francis Ngannou really really impressed Derek Lewis really struggled um, and by the end of the fight if you watched him and you just looked at photographs of him you'd assume he'd lost um the fact that it was a five-round fight Sand, who saved him because he lost each of the first three rounds to uh, Shamil Abdurrahim Um mm did a very unspectacular but very effective job of shutting down Lewis uh, in those opening three rounds and giving him very few opportunities to get some of those big, heavy hands off. Eventually, after a stern talking to from his corner, because basically every time Lewis threw a low kick, uh, Shamil just caught it and took him down. And even even on Twitter, everyone watching it was going, why are you throwing kicks? Stop throwing kicks. Stop throwing kicks. And eventually, I think it was his coach, uh, Bob Perez, in the corner said, just stop with the kicks now. no more kicks just just use your hands go after him no more kicks and of course start to the for, round he throws a kick it's taken down this time he gets back up and then he starts to throw his hands and uh, he won the fight by by TKO he eventually took uh, he eventually got Abdurakimov on the mat, up against the fence mounted him and smashed him until uh, until the referee Dan Mugliel I think it was stopped the fight um, it was a win but it wasn't the, the big, impressive win that you would have expected against an underweight guy. Like, well, I think he's ranked 15, uh, abdur um.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this was a, a pretty big moment for Derek Lewis to main event his very first UFC event, albeit not the, the sexiest of cards, still a main event, and when you're in the headline act, um, there's an opportunity there to really springboard yourself. Now, you say he's got a win. That's the most important thing to to keep that win streak going, especially in the heavyweight division, is absolute paramount. Um, he was, you know, ranked number ten going into the fight. I'm sure that'll get him up a few more places. He's still maybe just one or two, you know, wins away. From asserting himself into that title contention picture, and he's also been one of the fighters of the year for me. Not just with his performances in the octagon, but just his social media um, uh, interaction with fans and what he's been able to, you know, get out there on Instagram and Twitter with his uh, very kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, and comedic uh, posts. It's kind of really endeared him to the MMA community and it's another way that he's been able to get his personality across which is uh, again so important uh, as his kind of star continues to rise Um, but look you know I'm sure he'll learn from this experience Um, I think it's important perhaps for him to have had a fight with a you know a really grappling wrestling based fighter like Abdurakhimov uh, and I'm sure he'll only get better from that experience.
2: It's going to be it's going to be very interesting to see what the UFC do with
0: both Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou. I've seen some people calling for the pair of them to be matched up. I don't know whether that's a wise thing for the UFC to do that because you've got two rising contenders and they need new blood at the top of that heavyweight division. Matching them up against each other immediately eliminates one of them. So I would probably look to keep them apart and put the two of them in there against some of the some of the old guard who are maybe ranked above them in that middling between sort of 4th and 10th in the top 10, you know? Given give someone who uh, if you beat them you're not quite a championship contender but you're maybe one fight away i think that's where they both are right um i think uh if, if you're looking at the pairing and based on their performances on friday night you'd definitely be more excited for francis and ganu but Derek lewis is a dangerous guy and i don't yeah. think he's going to put in a performance quite like that uh, in his next fight so interesting to see what happens with those two that was last night We'll throw it very quickly forward because uh, the big screen has now got the Sky TV guide on it. They're about to put BT Sport 3 on. They're we're about, we're about to switch to go it go on, yeah. We're about to go live with the, uh, the televised prelims here at UFC 206. Uh, that's probably a good time as any to uh, to knock this section on the head and come back to you as the fights progress in I, Toronto. I suppose the plan
1: for the rest of the night is to kind of you know, jump back in like we have done octagon side Um, And as soon as there's uh, a big moment in a fight or when fights finish, um, we'll chip in with our two cents. um, And that'll be the show. I'm sure we'll wrap things up at the end of the night as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the televised prelims are now on the big screen here at the... Rose Casino in Russell Square and uh, I'm looking
0: forward to a fun night fight Mitch Gagnon vs. Matthew Lopez is on right now, Valerie Letourneau Vivian Pereira will be next Olivier Urban Mercier versus Drew Dover will follow and then the headline prelim fight, one I'm really looking forward to Nikita Karinov vs. Misha Serkalov will wrap things up, we will probably check in with you after that fight, tee up the main card and then uh, bring you updates all the way uh, and reaction as we go through the 5 fight main card at UFC 206. All right, Sandy, we've had the preliminary card. Uh, we had a lot of decisions, but the last two fights of the prelim card have teed us up nicely. Olivier Aubin-Mercier getting a nice, really naked choke win over Drew Dover. But we've got to talk about the, uh, the feature prelim, Misha Serkinov defeating Nikita Krilov by first round guillotine show. He looked good. He looked really good. And it's just what the light heavyweight division ordered. You know, uh,
1: I think it was great for Serkinov to be able to do that in his hometown of Toronto. Got a great ovation from the crowd. Um, fantastic performance. He is now 4-0. and uh, since entering the UFC, uh, and like I said, it's just what the UFC 205 division needs, and uh, and he called out Shogun Hua in his post fight interview, and it's, and it's not a bad matchup in regards to keep the momentum going, to keep building him up, and I think a few more marquee wins with some big names, and he's somebody that you could build
0: up as a potential title talented down the road absolutely that's 8 wins on the spin for Misha Serkinov, who is an absolute tank of a 205 pounder they're big guys but he is a particularly big guy I remember he did a, a Q&A with, uh, with Josh Barnett I think it was in Hamburg Germany and they were stood next to each other and they looked like they were the same weight class. <laughs> he's a terrifyingly large man he can get down to 205 supposedly quite healthily and uh, he looked like a million dollars in his, in his hometown as you say Canada needs more stars you know they've, they've been starved of some success and they've been starved of events this is a big opportunity for them and circle of getting that big win he's someone who the UFC could really start to build in a division that really needs some extra talent as you say let's take a look at his main card we're uh, you probably hear Joe Rogan screaming in the background um they're just teeing up the main card so we will do the same uh, Jordan Meehan is making his uh, his comeback uh, against Emil Meek in, uh, in in the first bout of the main card. Really interested to see this one, Sandu. Meek, uh, there's, a, there's a fair amount of hype behind this guy, um, but one thing that, that he is coming into the octagon with is slightly less facial hair. Yes,
1: the Ontario Commission um, made him trim his trademark Valhalla Viking-esque uh, beard um, yesterday, um, citing um, issues that could potentially uh, caused the beard to be pulled and plucked and all sorts during a fight which that always is happens in fights that, exactly and you, and you think of other fighters like Roy Nelson uh, who's got uh, probably a Santa Claus esque beard who's yes. able to fight with that um, so a strange decision there um, by the Ontario Commission uh, it's still ah. a, a fascinating beard in, in terms of how you know uh, in terms of beard standards and I'm sure you know it'll grow back fairly quickly um, but that was a, a big talking point yesterday but that aside, you know Emil Meek is coming in uh, to this uh, this UFC debut with a lot of, of hype and potential. Uh, earlier on this year, he got uh, a trademark marquee win um, against Hussein Palhares on the uh, Venator card in Italy. Um, so out of the uh, the main card, he is the big
0: European hopeful that's looking to do some big things there. Yeah, looking forward to seeing him. Uh, making his UFC debut on the world's biggest stage on a main card of a pay-per-view uh, event, no less, as well. That's a big a big stage for him to really make an impression. Uh, following that will be a, a middleweight bout between Tim Kennedy and Kelvin Gastelum. Now, both of these guys were due to take part uh, at Madison Square Garden at UFC 205. Uh, Kennedy at middleweight against Rashad Evans. Gastelum at welterweight against Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, Kennedy did not fight because Rashad Evans didn't pass the medicals. Gastelum didn't fight because he couldn't make weight. Yep. So uh, the UFC had told Gastelum, your, your days at trying to fight at 170 are done. You need to move up and start fighting at 185. I think that's a sensible move. Giving him Tim Kennedy is one hell of a test to start off with. I think this is a really, really close fight. But um, my money's on Kennedy. I mean, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think so too. I, I just think Kennedy seems
2: to
1: be um, the the fighter of the two that has t- more determination to do something and prove something. I mean, the only reason he came out of his self-imposed retirement was to fight on the biggest stage in Madison Square Garden at UFC 205. Uh, but now he's got a different mission. He's part of the MMAAA, the Athens Ma. O- Ma, the Mixed Martial Arts Athletes Association. I think now his mission in regards to being a professional mixed martial artist is to almost preach that message and one of the best ways he can do that is by right, being able to fight on the biggest stage possible for the UFC and it'll be interesting to see if he wins, how he uses that post-fight interview uh, time slot uh, to perhaps get some sort of message across there. But, I'm, but in terms of the actual fight itself, um, I'm picking Kennedy to win as well.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm almost wondering whether we might see something from the walkout got to be honest they showed the walkouts on the pay-per-view uh, it's not something that the US can cut away from or leave out um, whereas a post-fight interview can be skipped over um, so will we see Tim Kennedy walk out in a Reebok fight kit maybe Maybe not. No. Maybe not. Yeah. Will that Reebok fight kit be unaltered in any way? Maybe. Maybe, Maybe not. not. <laughs> we might see some black tape here and there. We might see a, a hat that perhaps uh, the UFC <laughs> officials won't expect it. I'm, I'm expecting something. There certainly, um, they certainly alluded to the fact that something might happen yeah. involving Tim this weekend. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, there hasn't been anything yet. But this is the big stage right now. This is this, this is the opportunity for him to make a bit of a statement. So uh, keep an eye. We, well, we will be keeping an eye out for that uh, as the night progresses. The middle fight on the uh, the main card is probably the fight I'm most excited about. Senator Cub Swanson, um, who has long been a favourite of mine. He's a real stylist for the £145, pounds. he's a lovely guy as well. Um, he's got the best personal brand uh, in mixed martial arts, in my opinion, with the whole Killer Cup motif, I really love what he's doing with that. Um, but he's taking on the Korean superboy, Do Ho Choi. Uh, he really is a superstar in the making. That's going to be a dynamite fight at 145
1: Absolutely, and it's almost uh, I think it's almost four years to the day since the Korean Zombie uh, fought in Toronto, and uh, and now we've got the Korean Superboy. So uh, Korea has got some, you know, some fantastic talent and they seem to always want
0: to fight in Canada, which is fantastic. It's going to be interesting to see. Can Duho Choi rack up another knockout win? We're about to get the fights underway. We will very quickly touch on Donald Cerrone, takes on Matt Brown at Welterweight. Cerrone is the biggest favourite on this fight card. If you're a gambling man, I think there's some value in backing Matt Brown. And uh, we've been playing around with the Verdict MMA app today. Put our predictions on there. Um, you can bet loyalty points, effectively, or experience points—I think they're called. Yeah. Uh, the big gamble that I've gone for—the uh, big outsider—I've picked. I've picked Matt Brown to, to win it. Um, did I pick him to win by stoppage? I think I picked him to win by third round stoppage. Um, but I, I think I think he's being overlooked a little bit in this fight. Cerrone is in the form of his career, make no mistake. But Brown is a legit a legit welterweight. Uh, big, strong, he's not been in the best form of late But if he comes in into this fight in any kind of shape I think he can give Cerrone some, some real issues in this fight Exciting fight, I mean, how do you see it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm um, yeah. you know officially picking Cerrone to win By first round knockout or TKO um, I think he's just had a phenomenal year Especially rebounding from that really um, abysmal performance Against RDA last December mm. Which was was which a, a title fight It's something that he's been longing for for a long time Um, And I think if he wins tonight, he's in the running for one of the comebacks of the year, having moved from lightweight to welterweight and racking up four wins on the trot if things go his way later on tonight. But I'm picking um, Cerrone to win by first-round knockout TKO. That's my official pick on the Verdict MMA app, like you mentioned. Uh, And a a quick shout-out in regards to the app. Um, We're both going to be using it throughout this main card, where essentially this new app that's become available recently allows you to be a judge, essentially giving you 60 seconds after every round finishes. It prompts you to give your score like a judge has, 60 seconds to to submit their round-by-round score. So it's a fascinating new app,
0: uh, and we'll see what kind of metrics it can provide post-fight. Yeah, it's going to be be good fun to play around with as as, as we go through the fights tonight. Very quickly, we'll also talk about this in more depth as we get a bit nearer. Main event, Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, was due to be... Uh, an interim featherweight championship fight. It still is an interim featherweight championship fight if your name's Max Holloway. Anthony Pettis missed weight by three pounds, came in at 148. Uh, that was the best he could muster. And uh, he's now, he's basically fighting in some sort of survival mode at this point. If Pettis wins, he gives the UFC a major headache. What happens to the interim belt? What happens to Jose Aldo in terms of his next fight? It throws everything up in the air. Max Holloway wins, everything lines up nicely. Are we going to see confusion or are we going to see order at the end of this fight, Sandy?
1: Well, it's something that we actually spoke about on on, uh, on last week's show, wasn't it, Simon? And it's the idea uh, that I presented where I wasn't too confident on Anthony Pettis at Featherweight initially to begin with. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I ha- hate to kind of uh, be right in a situation like this because I'm a massive fan of Pettis. And I, and I really genuinely thought if he can make 145 on the mark, that he could be a real threat and danger in this division. But it's proven to be a massive, massive challenge for him to do it. And I was already picking Max Holloway going into this fight. The fact that Pettis has had challenge uh, or adversity dropping down and his body essentially gave out on him, to go into a five-round fight with a career featherweight Max Holloway just gives me much more confidence that I think Holloway's going to get the
0: job done tonight. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. I think I think Holloway was my pick before the fight anyway. Um but pettis particularly with the with the issue with the white cup um, you've, got to, you've got to think he's been a little bit depleted, and he's not going to come in 100%. Now you may, in the background, just about be able to hear the dulcet tones of Mr. Bruce Buffer Esquire. He is announcing the participants of the very first fight on the main card: Jordan Meehan versus Emil Meek. Who, I have to say, has got rather more facial hair than I thought he would had. He's still got a healthy-looking beard. He's just had a bit of a tidy. Yeah. He's had a bit of a tidy. Is his performance going to be tidy? We're going to find out, and we will get back to you as the night progresses. As we run through the main card here at UFC 206, first fight in the book, Sandu, and it's a decent fight. Uh, Emil Meek or Emil Mech uh, picking up his debut win in the UFC and winning a lot of fans in doing so as well. I thought he might win by first round knockout. That was my prediction. Typically, I've got that wrong. But he picked up the win nonetheless. Great performance, though, against Jordan means Yeah, that
1: first round was a bit of a slobber knocker. Uh, it was back and forth, uh, action-packed stuff there. Uh, I had him uh, pegged for a first-round knockout win as well, and I thought he was going to get it with a, with a flying scissor kick of sorts. Um, he just missed and hit the cage instead there in the first round. But um, as I was kind of saying to you um, as the, the fight was wrapping up, it's just so important to get that first you know, winning the UFC under your belt, um, so you can just move on and crack on from there. And just gave an amazing quote uh, in his post-fight interview with uh, with Joe Rogan, where he essentially said, and I quote, "My jaw is fucked, my rib is cracked, but I'm freaking awesome, man." So uh, I think he is Valhalla ready, Simon. What do you think?
0: A star is born. I think. I yeah. think a star is born. I think. Uh... Social media are going gaga over him already, and uh, rightly so. And he's a European uh, personality-driven fighter as well. You know, he's as hard as nails. He's got a win over Richard Palhares. You don't beat a guy like that unless you've got some serious serious credentials. He's then taken it up into the UFC, taken on a guy who's been in the sport for a long time in Jordan Meeham, Granted, he's been out of the sport for a little while, but he's a seasoned operator, and he dealt with him really well. Really impressive performance from him. Um, great start to the night for uh, for Emil Mech. Coming up next, Tim Kennedy versus Kelvin Gastelum, and they're just showing the UFC rankings up on the screen right now. And uh, Tim Kennedy's just in there, uh, in that top ten. So where does he go from here? He's got to try and leapfrog a few. He's fighting below himself. Kelvin Gaston moving into the division. Um, It's a a fight with not a lot of upside for Tim Kennedy. But I think this is is an opportunity. He hasn't fought for 27 months, Sandu. His last fight was a very controversial loss to Yuwel Romero. And we now know that Romero is the number one contender for the middleweight title. Yep. Kennedy could have won that fight under different circumstances if the stall hadn't been in the, in the cage as long as possible. You know, there was a lot of shenanigans going on from uh, the Yoel Romero uh, corner. Um, but Romero won that fight and uh, we haven't seen Tim Kennedy since. He is back. He takes on Kelvin Gastelum and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing
1: this one. The, the UFC middleweight division is a much better place when you have Tim Kennedy involved. He's such a great personality, he's a fantastic fighter, uh, but there will be some question marks just to see if he does have some cage rust. Uh, that is a real thing, and like you said, 27 months away from the octagon, we'll find out in just a matter of minutes if that's going to be a factor in tonight's fight.
0: Yeah. Exciting stuff at middleweight, 185 Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, up into the middleweight division and uh, the two fighters are just about to enter the arena now we will join you at the conclusion of this one here on the Brit Pack oh lordy 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 what did we just see Jesus effing Christ Simon <laughs> what did we just witness there Cub Swanson and duho Ho Choi just put on I know people use the phrase fight for the ages yeah. every now and again and it can get a bit overused that might just be one of the greatest MMA fights I've ever watched. And that's, oh, I said it in my tweet uh, that isn't hyperbole.
1: That is not hyperbole. That is one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. It's going to go down as one of the greatest MMA fights of all time. Um, I thought initially we might be looking at a round of the year. That's fight of the year Simon. That is fight of the year done and dusted. Uh, there's nothing that's going not to even come close to topping that. Absolutely not.
0: No. I tweeted halfway through the first round saying this is the half round round of the year or was it the second round this is the half round of the year and then second half of the round I'm upgrading it this is the round of the year and then by the end of it we were all saying fight of the year and then by the time the fight had finished it was like no this this is the fight of forever this is is the most the single most ridiculous fight if you can ever grab a non-fan and sit them in front of one fight and say this is why we love mixed martial arts this is why we sit down in front of our TV screens, until stupid o'clock in the morning, it's for fights like that. Cuff Swanson, do Ho Choi, if I was wearing a hat, I would doff it to you both. Swanson gets the decision, 30-27 twice, 29-28 on the third card. Ho Choi has a chin made out of iron. I have no idea. Some of those shots he took in that fight, Sandu, do. Ridiculous. But yet, Swanson literally was seconds to go. Seconds to go. Uh, dropped him, finally. And uh, looked like he might even get the finish. He didn't quite get the finish. Went to the cards. Swanson deservedly won. And quite within his rights in his post fight interview, told the watch in public, don't ever question me again. I'm not questioning him again after that. And Duho Choi just, uh, he said, because that, that was his first career, well, his second career loss. Uh, I think he lost in like his second fight. And he said, this is what losing feels like. I'm going to train even more and I'm not going to lose again. Unbelievable fight, Sandu. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of words, mate. The, the entire MMA community right
1: now online is just exploding with all sorts of superlatives to try and describe and sum up their feelings and emotions of what we just witnessed over the last 15 or 20 minutes or so. Um, it, it really is one of the, the rare moments in this sport where things just come together. You think a fight's going to end. Both both men had this amazing chins, um, didn't go out completely cold, found the grit and the determination, the heart to withstand the punishment. It almost reminds me of the... Um, Diego Sanchez Gilbert Melendez um, flurry towards the end of their fight a couple of years back but this the entire fight was like
0: that as I say we're we're watching this in a casino there's probably about 15 or 20 of us are sitting here Uh, there's one guy crushed out on a table Um, but other than that everyone is absolutely wide awake and uh, there was an awful lot of shouting a lot of it coming from you I have to say Mr Sandy. it was, it was amazing, we were on our feet at points At one point it looked like uh, Swanson had Choi in trouble And it looked like the fight was going to be done Then, out of nowhere, Choi would come roaring back um, I, I don't think I've ever seen a fight that ebbed and flowed And looked close to being finished as many times as that um, Duho Choi is young, he can come back from this Cub Swanson could not afford to lose that fight he knew that, and he, he laid it all out there, and he won the fight, all credit to him. One of the real nice guys of the game. Yep. Uh, for those of us who have been fortunate enough to meet you know, uh, to meet him and chat to him, he's, he's just a lovely, lovely guy. And uh, everyone, because Duho Choi is such a likeable character, all of the goodwill seemed to be going his way. And uh, Swanson was almost like the bad guy coming into this, which really doesn't fit his personality at all. He went out there, he proved everybody wrong, he won the fight. And deservedly so. But boy, what what a fight, Sandy. And as if we're waiting for a bit of a lull, we got Cowboy Cerrone versus Matt Brown next, co-main event. And those two know how to win a post-fight bonus. They've got some work cut out for them if they want to win a bonus tonight.
1: They absolutely do. And we haven't even touched on the, the fight previous to Swanson and Duho du Choi, w- which, which was Kelvin Gastelum, who put on an, an amazing performance against Tim Kennedy and really made him look um, uh, like an old and aged fighter in, in the octagon tonight. But I just can't help but try and stay on the topic of this Swanson-Duho Choi fight. And I think with Swanson now, you know he had a couple of back-to-back um, defeats um, not too long ago um, against Max Holloway and Frank Tedgan. I think everyone was kind of writing him off, and he, he, you know, he, I think he summed it up best uh, in his post by interview with Joe Rogan by saying, "Never question me again." As he walked off, what a statement! What, what he's done now is he's got back on to winning, uh, winning ways. He's put a streak together of three wins in a row. Now, depending on what happens later on tonight, is it totally out of the question, Simon, given that performance, given what we just witnessed, if Anthony Pettis beats Max Holloway and Jose Aldo is looking for an opponent to defend his championship against, It's it's a rematch that, you know, Swanson's wanted for a very, very long time, back from the
0: WEC days. Could we perhaps see Aldo versus Swanson in the near future? That would be a really interesting fight, especially if you put it on in Brazil. Um, Because I think you might struggle to sell it in America on the basis that it was a decisive, quick knockout victory first time round for Jose Aldo. But Cub Swanson, that that arguably is the best performance of his UFC career. He's put in some good performances in the past, but he had his back against the wall. He was in there against a young uh, contender who hadn't lost a fight in six years and uh, was on on a string of first-round knockouts. And he went in there and he he put on a show. Amazing, amazing performance. And you did just touch on it very briefly, and we should mention it a a, a little bit more. Kelvin Gaston versus Tim Kennedy. Two talking points from this fight. Number one, Gaslam looked fantastic at 185 pounds. Um, Kennedy looked like someone who hadn't fought for two and a bit of years. Started fast, started well. Gaslam found his feet and won the fight decisively by Tico's stoppage in the third round. The thing that came after that was his post-fight interview saying all the right things and then he said he wants to go back down to 170 pounds. And... I don't know how many people you guys follow on the social media uh, sphere in terms of MMA journalists and people like that, but almost almost a, a chorus of uh, it was universal, people going, no, don't do that. That's yep. a bad move. That's a bad move. Yep. Rather than deplete himself to fight at 170, I think he should really build on his frame and become extra strong at 185. He's a beast at 185, and if he really commits himself to that weight division, he can be a serious contender as a UFC middleweight. But... The fighters are now on their way to the prep point. Uh, Matt Brown is uh, having the Vaseline applied to his uh, his eyebrows right now. He's taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone in our co-main event. As I just said a minute ago, both of these guys, no stranger to uh, the the post-fight bonus column. They're going to have to put on one hell of a fight. to even come close to matching what we just saw between Cub Thompson and Duho Choi. But we will see them have a jolly good go at it next. That is our co-main event. Donald Cerrone, Matt Brown and we'll talk to you once it's done. We can't stop smiling, Simon, ear-to-ear, ear, mate. I'm, I'm,
2: honestly, <laughs> it is
0: it is it 20 past 5 on the morning of Sunday the 11th of December and we are currently watching one of the most spectacular nights of fights I can remember. Yeah. Um, We saw Duho Choi and Cub Swanson produce arguably the greatest fight of all time. And we joked that Matt Brown and Donald Cerrone had a little bit to make up to in order to just even come close to that fight. They did a pretty good job. Um, Back and forth stuff. Both men hurt in that fight. And possibly knowing that they wasn't going to get a fight at the night bonus, Donald Cerrone decided to go a different route and absolutely laid out Matt Brown like a patio with a huge left high kick, laid him out flat, game over, third round, knockout victory, and this night just... Honest, I'm running out of superlatives. Forget superlatives, I'm running out of words at this point.
1: Yeah, um, it's just one of the greatest nights of fights I've ever witnessed. I mean, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. It's going back to even the, some of the boxing... That we saw, and I know that you watched some of the glory even earlier before that the kickboxing. But this UFC 206 main <laughs> card, I think it might go down, it probably will go down as the event of the year. The, definitely the main card of the year. That Cerrone Brown fight was spectacular, and on any other night, it would probably get a fight of the night. No doubt. And it's no only doubt. because Duho Choi and Cub Swanson just put on one of the greatest fights of all time, that they probably won't get that bonus check. But just to focus on Cerrone for a second here, what a great comeback it's been for him. We were talking about it earlier on. He lost to RDA in that lightweight title fight last December uh, in, in pretty uh, abysmal fashion. It just... Didn't even looked like a shadow of, him, of his normal self, but he's bounced back from that, moved up to welterweight, and he's, you know, got four wins on the trot now, and he's, I think he's put himself right in the mix in that 170-pound weight class. Um, I know he wants to fight in Denver, which is just around the corner, and I know that uh, Masvidal called him out, and uh, I think Cerrone is going to be very acceptive of that fight. I would love to see that fight, but... The actual fight against Brown that we just witnessed right now, that head-kick knockout, again, just spectacular. Is Cerrone ever in a boring
0: fight, Simon? I can't remember one. And I've got to be honest, stylistically I love the Masvidal fight, but all due respect to, to Masvidal, I think Cerrone needs to be fighting higher up the ladder than that. I think a Put performance out. like that against a guy who has really been a mainstay in the... Uh, in the higher echelons of that welterweight division, it's only been recently that he started to sort of slide. I think Sorroni needs to be in there with a with a, with a top five guy. Yep. I really do. I think that's where he's at right now, and I think he needs the opportunity to get a win against a top five guy and get himself into championship contention in 2017. That was a fantastic performance. I have a feeling he might have broken his jaw or certainly had some serious. Serious uh, damage done to his jaw during that fight. He seemed to be holding it a little bit weird during the fight. Matt Brown, I think he might have busted some ribs early on in the fight. Was very protective of his lower right hand side, uh, and that left that left his uh, his right hand, you know, the right side of his head open for the head kick. And um, it was one that Soroni looked for a couple of times during the fight in that third round. he was only 34 seconds in into that third and final round with the fight pace beginning to slow just a little bit the window was there for Cerrone to really throw that, that huge left high kick absolutely flattened out Matt Brown and uh, unbelievable finish to another fantastic fight so far on this main card Emil Mech claimed a unanimous decision winning a very entertaining fight against Jordan Mean. Kelvin Gaslin Third round TKO stoppage of Tim Kennedy. He looked like a million bucks. Someone needs to pin him up against a wall and tell him he's fighting at 185 again. Yep. Um, Cub Swanson and Duho Choi. The fight went to a decision, but who cares? That 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 was the for me. The fighter forever for me. It really was. It's was unbelievable. Co main events, Cerrone, Matt Brown, spectacular head kick knockout. And now the tail of the tape is on the screen. Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, UFC interim featherweight championship on the line for Holloway. If Holloway wins it, he wins it. Yeah. If Pettis wins it, he doesn't. And chaos ensues in the UFC featherweight division. Not for the first time.
1: I think if Pettis wins, there'll be a lot of uh, different opinions. Um, from all the, the experts um, as well as the fans of what everyone thinks the UFC should do next with the featherweight division I think um, everyone's going to yeah, ha- have a different uh, take on what should be done next but we're about to find out uh, what the lay of the land might look like over the course of the next 15 to 25 minutes
0: Is it going to be Showtime for Anthony Pettis or is Max Holloway going to be blessed with a shot at the undisputed UFC featherweight title we are going to find out right now as we go to the main event at UFC 206. We are done and dusted. We are sitting here in now in an empty uh, function room. It's just uh, you and me, Sandu, and uh, the credits rolling on the TV behind us. You can probably hear Mike Goldberg yep. uh, reeling off the names as he, as, he, as he does at the end of every pay-per-view show. Arguably, and we were just having this discussion before we hit record, Yes. arguably the best main card we've seen this year it's a toss-up between this and 199, and it, it really is a toss-up. I think I think two phenomenal, phenomenal main cards, um, and uh, it's one to debate. I think it was certainly in terms of sort of the high, the highest high of the card. I think I think tonight might have topped it. Overall, maybe 199 might have had the stronger group of fights, but I mean, you can't really lose with either one of those fight cards. Tonight was a little bit special, my friend.
1: And isn't it funny how both UFC 199 and 206 um, had kind of like a storyline coming in where it wasn't really um, pay-per-view offerings that many thought were up to par with what the UFC should be providing uh, the the community with. Obviously with 199, it was just prior to UFC 200, and there was a lot of hustle and muscle uh, promotional-wise thrown into that particular card. Um, and I don't think many people were giving Bisping a chance uh, in the Rockhold uh, fight and again you know, this card was kind of marred a lot of bad PR um, in, in relation to the, to the featherweight title fight but lo and behold those are the two cards that we're probably going to be looking back on in, you know, when we reflect back on 2016 as the two cards of the year, main cards of the year um, and, yeah, it's, it's a coin flip, you know, if you, if you feel as though UFC 206 was your card of the year, I've got no problem with that. Just like I've got no problem if uh, UFC 199 was your card of the year. Um, for me, uh, I think just because of that Duho Choi comes and Swanson fight, um, which I, I think I'm going to watch a million times over, over the course of my lifetime, um, that for me... Um, just, just makes it, makes edges it for me because I can't. I'm not over it. I mean, we we, have, we before we kind of go into the to the overall you know main card. We've got to just talk about the main event we just witnessed. Max Holloway defeats Swan, uh, bet, bet, defeats Anthony Pettis. Sorry, uh, by a third round TKO. Anthony Pettis uh, injured and broke his hand with the very first punch he threw uh, on Max Holloway in the first round. Uh, but after that, it was all Max Holloway, really, and um, and that now sets up a unification title fight with Jose Aldo, um, which he apparently wants in Brooklyn for UFC 208. So, uh, your thoughts on that main main event,
0: sir Simon? I thought Holloway fought very, very, very maturely, very smart. Um, we were live scoring throughout the night on uh, on this verdicts MMA app, which was good fun to do. Yep. Um, a lot of people on my Twitter timeline were scoring the first round right, to uh, the first round to Holloway. I know you scored the first round to Holloway. I actually scored it to Pettis. although Pettis just did a little bit, a little bit more in that first round. Um, but from the second round on, it, you know, it was Holloway bossing the fight. He he started steadily and just gradually increased the pressure. Holloway is a pressure fighter. But against a, a guy who is so dangerous with his strikes as Anthony Pettis, you can't just go walking onto stuff. Holloway paced himself really well, worked his openings, took a round or so to sort of find out what Pettis had for him, uh, tried to work out some of his timing a little bit. And when he got confident to step in, he started stepping in and scoring well. Did well in the second round, won that second round pretty clearly. And then in the third round, he really turned it up. And with 10 seconds to go at the end of the round, he hurt Pettis to the body uh, and sent him back slumped up against the cage, yep. um, where he's pretty much curled up in a ball. And then Holloway just unleashed a furious, a furious fistic flurry, which uh, forced the referee to jump in and finish the fight. Um, great performance from Max Holloway. Very mature performance from Max Holloway. And anybody who's sleeping on him against Jose Aldo is, I think, very foolish. Um, I, I, I would, wouldn't be at all surprised to see Max Holloway take the title away from Jose Aldo in 2017. I think he's got the toughness. I think he's got the stickability to be able to last the last the course in a five-round fight, which you need to do against someone like Aldo. Yep. Um, but I also think he's got he's got that little X factor that he he can finish fights. He can hurt you, and when he sees the chance. He, he wastes no time he's straight in there so great performance from Max Holloway walks away with the interim featherweight championship saves the UFC an enormous headache in doing that as well and uh, great great performance from him Jose Waldo yeah. hashtag Jose Waldo amazing performance and uh, we now have we now have our first confirmed championship fight of 2017. We just don't know when it's going to be yet. Holloway versus Aldo for all the marbles at UFC... Well, he wants it at UFC 208 in Brooklyn. Uh, the post-fight show is now live on uh, on BT Sport. Michael Bisbeck rocking a rascal, rascal shirt. I'm not sure about the tie, but a uh, rascal shirt from the man Bisbig. Where do we even start looking back on some of this stuff? Donald Cerrone, one of the knockouts of the year, perhaps? Absolutely, that shin-to-chin
1: head kick knockout of Matt Brown was certainly spectacular, Uh, and we talked about it a little bit earlier on, Uh, this has kind of capped off a a stellar year for Cowboy, a comeback year of sorts, Um, he moved to welterweight like we said earlier, and he's just looked phenomenal, I think this is a weight class he should stick to now moving forward as he gets a little bit older, Uh, and he's in a position where he can actually make a run for that title. Um, so a, a great performance uh, by, by Cowboy Cerrone I'm curious what we do with Cub Swanson now Simon I was kind of alluding to the idea of if Anthony Pettis had, had won this fight, we obviously know now in his post fight interview that he in, doesn't intend uh, uh, to, to fight at featherweight again the weight cut is just too much for him so he's going to go to back to lightweight which is another um, ball ache in itself I suppose because uh, his career is in utter limbo um, I don't know what's there for him at lightweight. He's going to have to almost build him up from scratch again. But um, but with Cub Swanson now, I mean, I'm looking at the featherweight rankings. You've got Jose Aldo and Max Holloway who are going to fight next for the unification title fight. Um, you've got Frankie Edgar um, who beat Cub Swanson. Um, not too long ago with four seconds to go
0: with four seconds to go you think Cubs Watson's in a position now having one three in a row to get a rematch there yeah absolutely I think that's the fight to make the other one that you could potentially look at is Ricardo Lamas yep um, but I think given given the level of that performance and the fact that Frankie needs a fight as well I think the fight makes a lot of sense for both sides um, I'd say get them in there as, as I say Frankie Edgar did win that last fight uh by crank. But he literally won it with four seconds of the fight remaining. That that fight could easily have gone to a decision. So certainly not a mismatch on paper. I would like to see that fight again. I think uh, long-time fight fans who have enjoyed watching Frankie Edgar and Cub Swanson grace the octagon during their careers would like to watch that fight as well. I think it's a good stylistic matchup, and uh, that would make an excellent co-headline attraction on a pay-per-view. Or a main event. Uh, you could even bring that over to Europe, or you could have it on Fox in the US. I think uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. That fight. That's 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 the one I would certainly like. And just uh, talking about people and their weight classes and Anthony Pettis. I think being very honest with himself, saying that he's going to need to move back to 155. What do we think about Kelvin Gastelum putting one of the arguably the best performance of his UFC career to date? But he did it at 185 pounds and he admitted he didn't have to cut any weight yep. and I think the fact he didn't have to cut any weight convinces him that he can still make it to 170. Um, he looked great against Tim Kennedy, he finished him by third round TKO but the call from cer- certainly from my Twitter timeline and all the media members who, who we follow is no Kelvin, stay at 185. I think become more, more uh, at home at 185 really thicken up your body at 185, you could be an absolute beast in that division, Mr Gaslam. I think it would be a mistake. Because you only have to miss weight one more time and uh, you're in a lot of trouble with the UFC. I think I think he's been given he's been given another chance and that other chance was at one eighty five. And I think he needs to he needs to realise that. Look at the performance, assess it in a cold lighted day alongside his other performances and realise that a healthy, on-weight Kelvin Gassel and fighting at a natural weight is going to be a major threat at 185 pounds. Because I really do think in the next two or three years he could be a legit title
1: contender. Yeah, I think the UFC need to put their foot down on this one. Uh, not allow him to fight at 170 pounds because he's missed weight too often, and it's just not fair on his opponents. You know, they put in a lot of money into these camps, and they want to fight at a at a weight uh, uh, you know limit that they've obviously mutually agreed on. Uh, and for him to um, you know miss weight, um, you know Tim Kennedy, for example, had to you know move his entire camp forward in six weeks and change you know uh, plans with family and bits and pieces. You know, so. It throws a massive spanner in the works. Uh, But that aside, he just needs to kind of understand, and I think it's clear to see he's fantastic at 185 pounds. And like you said, now if he can start working on the strength and conditioning and really um, manipulate and change his body to really suit that weight class, he'll get even better. I mean, looking at his performances and looking at the actual top 10 right now, I'd have no problem if you put him right in the mix in the thick of things, maybe against a Chris Wyden or maybe a Robert Whitaker. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I tweeted after the fight. I want to see him with Derek Brunson. I think, yeah, that, I, I think that makes. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. I think, given he's only one fight into the division, I think throwing him in with Whitaker would be a little harsh on Whitaker. Right. Um, likewise, Wyden, I think you've got to fight your way to that level. I think a win over Derek Brunson would do that. Um, I think Brunson needs a fight. He needs a fight against a relevant guy. Gaston moving into the division and stopping Tim Kennedy makes him relevant so I think the fight makes a lot of sense for both sides that's the fight I would make next I would make it I would make it as early as possible just to try and keep the keep that bandwagon rolling for Gaston yep. and also to say to him that's your division now you want to compete in the UFC we need to rely on you and we need to rely on you at 185 if he wants any words of advice or any kind of case study in how moving up and fighting a more natural way can help, go talk to Anthony Rumble Johnson. Anthony Rumble Johnson basically dried himself out trying to fight at 170, had trouble making 170, moved up to 185, even had trouble making 185, got cut by the UFC, went away. He was talking about it in his Q&A this week. He was doing a fan Q&A over there in Toronto, and he said he had a long train journey with Henry Hooft, his coach, and they said... Let's just fight at our natural weight, shall we? Let's just give this a go. We can do this at 205. We think we can be a force at 205. They spent eight hours talking about it on the plane, and the rest is history. He's now the most dangerous man in the world at 205 pounds, and arguably the most dangerous man in the UFC right now. That's because he's fighting at his natural weight class. Yep. I think Kelvin Gastelum can be a serious threat at 185. When the time arrives, fight at your natural you weight class. And... I think that's what we need to see in general. Donald Cerrone, exactly the same. Yep. Busting himself dry to make 155. And then when the going got really tough, he didn't really have the uh, he, you know, he, didn't have, he didn't have the frame to deal with it because he was even depleted. Looking at him today, fighting against Matt Brown, who's a big strong physical 170 pounder, he was able to compete on equal terms and eventually stopped him with a spectacular head kick that's all the evidence Kelvin Gaston needs and I think it's it's a talking point coming out of this but everything pales into insignificance when we look at we spoke about Swanson just now that Swanson Duho Choi fight Uh, let's let's talk about Duho Choi for a second yep amazing performance in defeat I love what he said in his post fight interview, saying this is what so this is what losing feels like. I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna go away, train even more, and I'm not gonna lose again. Love the mindset, love the approach, and uh, he's an exciting fighter. And if anyone thought that Duho Ho Choi wasn't uh, wasn't the real deal, even though he lost, they know differently now. He might be a loser on paper
1: tonight, Simon, uh, but he's not a loser in the hearts and the minds of the MMA community. Um, he got a standing ovation as did Cub Swanson. Um, I, I think everyone, if you're if you're watching the card from your bed, from your couch, around the world, wherever hour of night or morning it is, wherever you're listening to this podcast from right now, even um, you are applauding uh, that fight uh, with your mind, if not with your actual hands. It was just one of the most phenomenal um, performances um, we've ever seen. Uh, the heart and guts and determination from both men were phenomenal. I mean, for, for Swanson. It was uh, a performance where he, you know, reminded everyone that he's still got a lot to give. He's still learning and getting him better as a mixed martial artist. He's not over the hill just yet. He's not done just yet. And for for Duho Cho, for 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 Duho Choi, you know, he's 25 years old. You know, I mean, his nickname's Super Boy. I said Super Chin. You know, the way he took some of those shots from Cobb Swanson was, uh, was like an absolute champ. The only thing that's a little unfortunate is he's going to have to do what the Korean zombie Chang Sung Jung just finished doing. And that's give two years of mandatory military service uh, to Korea, uh, to South Korea. Um, so, which is which is in- incredible to think that we're going to, you know, be uh, left uh, without uh, a Do Ho Choi for for a couple of years once that begins, that kicks in. Um, but for the time being, I think he'll go back to the drawing board. He'll, he'll speak to his uh, his camp, his team, um, his his head coaches, figure out what went wrong and what, where he can improve. He'll come back stronger and better from this experience. Um, and again, for Swanson, um, it was just fantastic to see him uh, put on, uh, roll back the years, so to speak, uh, and dig deep and still give a strong showing for himself at the age that he is. But uh, going back to Duho Choi, um, he's a, he's an instant classic fighter. He isn't he isn't going anywhere. Uh, if you look at Dana White's timeline, um, he he you know used a few explet- expletives. And uh, said that was a fight of the year I'm sure both men will be getting some fat, fat bonus paychecks from the UFC And uh, and when Duho Choi does decide to return to the octagon And they, they matchmake him and book, and book him into another fight um, He'll have a massive storyline A lot of interest, a lot of headlines, a lot of media interest And people are going to be really excited to see him fight again in the UFC
0: Here we go then We were talking about Cub Swanson Who he should fight next Yeah. Who should Duho Choi fight next?
1: Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it?
0: Do you want to know who I want to see him fight next? Go for it. Yair Rodriguez. Wow. That's the fight I want to see next. I know Yair is not yet... Oh, yeah, he is. He's top ten. He's just he slacking to the yeah. top ten there. Choi, he's technically eleven. But I still think, I, I think stylistically, that, that's, a, that's a superb fight. I'd love to see that. I also think uh, Duho well, Joy against anyone is going to be good fight. Duho Joy versus Henan Burrell would be a fun fight as well. I think, uh, you know, depending on how, how, how you're going to pitch him, because Duho Joy took a big jump to take on Cubs once in there, six places above him in the rankings. But and uh, Burrell, Andre Feely maybe, if you want to go a little bit lower down the list. I think Yaya Rodriguez would be an absolute barn burner of a fight. I'd love to see that. Now, we've talked about the main card. We've talked about those incredible incredible matchups Emil Met getting the, uh, the decision winning the first fight on that main card against Jordan Meehan the other two fights we do need to very quickly wrap up this thing with Misha Serkinov great submission finish of Nikita Krilov and Lando Venata amazingly on the, only the third fight of the night possibly stealing the show in terms of knockout of the night I know Cerrone's head kick knockout was pretty special Lando's wasn't too shabby either spinning wheel kick to put away John McDessey. Who gets your knockout of the night bonus? Does he go to Cowboy? Does he go to Lando? Because Cowboy apparently, after the fight, said that he'd like to see Lando, who I believe is a teammate of his, uh, get, the, get the bonus check. So it's, it's, it's again, it's a coin flip. Would you prefer thumping head kick or spectacular wheel kick?
1: I think. The, the wheel kick there's so much more technique required in pivoting and twisting your body and, and, and being so precise when that heel uh, touches the, the chin or the face of, of your opponent um, for me it would be Lando Benetta, but I think in time and time again we've seen the UFC favour the main card fighters when it comes to, to declaring who the, the bonus winners are um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Donald Cerrone did say oh, he'd prefer Landovinat to get it. So I suppose if Cerrone does get it, he could just pass the check over to Landovinat. If, that, if that's what really, that's what he really wants. Um, half but, and half, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, Misha Serkinov, great. You know Toronto's own. You know, getting a getting a win there. And again, we spoke about it earlier on. But a welcome addition to the UFC 205 weight class. Um, it's just—it was just a great, great night of fight, Simon. Uh, I'm really glad that we had the opportunity to even be here at a venue uh, like the Grosvenor Casino here in Russell Square. It was great to speak to some of the fans who were here as well. Have a bit of a, a atmosphere watching the fights. Uh, otherwise, it's usually kind of like in the darkness of my living room. Um, you know, waking you know, up, waking up people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was just a, it, it was great to be here at a, at a venue here in London to watch the fights. It was great to use the Verdict MMA app to do the live scoring. That was a lot of fun. That was good fun. Uh, And we're going to be back here for UFC 207 uh, on December 30th, which is the next kind of, uh, you know, party, viewing party that the the casino is going to be throwing. So... uh, for anyone that's listening that missed out on tonight do keep a uh, look out on our social media timelines we'll be um, throwing out uh, the plug for the next event Uh, and do come and join us on December 30th here at the
0: casino it's going to be good fun it's going to be good fun I'll tell you what they're going to have to go some to beat this yeah this was this was one of those nights we're going to be you know where were you when you when you saw Duho Chui fight Cubs awesome where were you when Donald Sorrentino nearly kicked Matt Brown's head clean off his shoulders and when Max Holloway became the interim featherweight champion amazing night of fights it's been a long night it's coming around for quarter past six in the morning yep as we we wrap things up here uh, in central London thank you very much for listening now we just have to wrap up with all of the usual business you can subscribe you can do that via iTunes if you do please uh, rate us review us you can get us on ACAST you can get us on Stitcher you can also now get us on youtube as well so um, if you do any browsing and viewing of anything on youtube please do head for the channel and uh, link us up subscribe go to the uh, the main website the thebritpackmma.com all the available links will be there as well as the uh, the live streaming podcast itself via soundcloud twitter sandu mma i'm getting tired now at Simon Head, at the Britpagan MMA. That is all we have. As a, as a 20th show, that was a hell of a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to number 21, where we're going to be going back to the usual format. And then it'll only be a couple of weeks. And then it'll be USC 207, more fun and games. Ronda Rousey making a long-awaited turn against Amanda Nunes. Here's a little thing. Check out the promos for USC 207. And play a little game of... Spot the footage of Ronda Rousey getting knocked out. You won't find it. Very, very interesting thing. I'll leave that one with you. Enjoy the fights. Next time round, we'll speak to you in a week's time.